Welcome back to the Balance Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Renthington. Always excited to be in the place with you today. Listen, our next guest has a unique perspective on the modern workplace. Known as the job doctor and go-to career coach for Gen Z and millennials, Tessa White's insights on how to navigate complicated relationships at work while building your career are exploding on social media. Welcome to the BBP, Tessa. How are you today? Oh, feeling great today. We've got a little bit of sunshine here in Utah, finally. So that always lifts my spirits. Oh, yes. It's been many, many moons since I've been to Utah, but I remember phenomenal spas and really good cuddly weather for all the the cuddly things. Absolutely. (laughs) Which is awesome. So I would love to talk to you as a former Fortune 50 executive who has 25 plus years, although you never know it looking at your skin, but 25 (laughs) plus years in the human capital expertise space. What pulled you to this new chapter in your life where you decided to take all of the acumen that you have in those experiences as a leader in those places and gift it? to the Gen Z and millennial population as we know it today and really help them thrive in the modern workplace? Well, to be honest, I I got burned mm-hmm. out bad mm-hmm. in the corporate America. I was at the height of my earning potential, but also I was working 60-hour day, you know, 60, 50-hour work weeks every week. Mm-hmm. And having been a single mom for at least 10 years of my career, you know, I just thought, there's, there's got to be something different. Yeah. And it came on the heels of our daughter committing or, or attempting to commit suicide. Fortunately, she's still with us. And that really forced me, like many people during the um, you know last five years or whatever, to rethink what was important to me and what I wanted. And so I did a very, very specific and deliberate elongated exit out of my company so that I could finish projects. And here I am just decided to do something everyone thought I was crazy to do. I mean, where would the world be without crazy people, right? <laughs> uh, maybe they were jealous. I don't know. But oh. I, I, it was certainly the right decision for, for yeah, me. Yeah, for you and for your legacy. Because thank God for you making such a brave, bold, and quite honestly, courageous decision to let go of something that you could count on. You could depend on those checks every two weeks, right? You could depend on that 60 plus hour schedule was the devil you knew, for lack of a better phrase, and jumped into being a founder and an entrepreneur. That is a big leap in so many ways, but the biggest gift that you could have given your, dare I say, work, life, and love balance, right? (laughs) Well, it did a number on me for a while. I remember, you know, the first few weeks I was home, I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? And I remember this comment somebody said, um, when who you is is what you do, then when you don't, you ain't. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea so much of who I was was tied up in the title. I've got to do some work on myself. And I realized people didn't invite me to everything. I didn't have concert tickets and sports tickets because they didn't need what I had to offer as an executive in a business world. And it did a number for a while, but I stayed still. Mm -hmm. I stayed with it and look what's unfolded. I mean, this is so much more fulfilling than anything I've done in my whole life. I I took me till 55 
to figure out what my calling was. But my gosh, how lucky am I to be doing something that makes a difference that I love? Absolutely. I mean, don't get me started on the spirituality of numbers. <laughs> 55 is double grace, mama. So <laughs> <laughs> you are walking into your next season of bliss in a way that you probably can't even imagine, even with the last two years being such an explosion for you on so many different levels. I think it's divine timing. There's no other way to say it. Well, there was really something magical about it. Mm -hmm. I, when I hit 50, I think it was 50, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I was not afraid of anything. Just overnight I woke up and I was not afraid of looking stupid, trying new things. And I've always been so careful, but I was out water skiing and trying these jet packs and doing like fake skydiving. And I just thought, I'm not scared anymore. I'm just going to go for it. And I can, wow. I mean, my kids are dying at the stuff that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm not scared of what anybody thinks anymore. Isn't that a great gift? That is such a just hit That gift that you've given yourself to literally have the freedom to forgive yourself for all the moments that you didn't take advantage of your time in this way and explore Mm -hmm. curiosity and adventure and play in in the way that you're doing and all the, the buzz, like I'm getting goosebumps as I say it and I'm thinking about it, all the buzz that has vibrated through you and allowed you to be so innovative and to connect so much with your audience because it shows, even without you saying it, you're physically glowing. And anyone who's watching your IG and your TikToks and all of it, they see the, and I don't say this in a a way to disrespect the experience that comes with age, but they see the youthfulness in the fact that you're allowing yourself to be so adventurous and playful privately, regardless of whether or not you're talking about that part of your life with the world, it shows. And there are just some things that you cannot hide. Oh, that's very nice of you to say. I I do feel alive. I feel very alive. And I felt as a single mom, I felt pretty depleted at the end of that journey and actually even more depleted when I got remarried and I tried to blend, you know, three other new children. And it was incredibly, it emptied me as much as it filled me. It was an incredibly difficult experience, even though I love my children, all of them so much. I love my husband, but this stage of life and I don't know, being able to tell people you can do it. And you can, all you have to do is take one step towards the energy, create energy towards the thing you want. And I'm telling you, the universe just absolutely unfolds in magical ways. I was thinking about how many new friends I had. And in the last three years, instead of my circle getting tighter, it's just blown Mm. up. I I have so many friends from so many walks of life and it's so enriching. Yeah. What a gift to me. Yeah. And these people actually get to know the you, not just the, how can I leverage your access mm-hmm. to the the ball game, the, the clubhouse, the, you know, people that you know in your network circles. Although there are lots of benefits when you're in a, in a circle, right? Like to have friends like you, to have friends that are connected, but now you get to meet people that are actually seeing Tessa, not you know, executive leader hierarchy that probably comes after. I don't know what it is. The persona of the Tessa that was the corporate me. I actually, I saw online this uh, woman posted, Hey, we're having a women's fly fishing trip. We have one spot open. I knew none of these people Mm -hmm. at all. And I thought that sounds fun. And on a whim, I pushed, Hey, I'm in paid for it. And then when it got to the trip, I thought, I'm an idiot. I don't know these people. I'm so nervous. I shouldn't go. 
I went, I'm telling you, these are my dearest friends. I have a circle of like 20 new wonderful friends mm -hmm. just because I stepped into the unknown. So I tell people, you should do something that scares the bejesus out of you at least twice a year because it really does help. It, it just unfolds some neat things. On so many levels. What, because you, you went from the space of being burnt out and realizing that you had to shift your entire life to make even more room for at the time, your daughter just needed more of you and you needed to create yeah. that space. But that's one level or one milestone. How do you go from there to daring to be great as Brene Brown would say, right? Like how do you jump into that <laughs> more adventurous part of you? Do you remember the first scary thing that you did after you had your, your version of stillness in entrepreneurship? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that first thing that scared you enough to do it? I, well, the scariest thing was walking into the CEO of our company and saying, I need to leave. Mm. My daughter is not doing well. And we're afraid she's going to and try to end her mm. life. And I need to leave as of tomorrow. And I don't know when I'll be back. I mean, when I said those words, I wanted to pull them in like they were on a string because I knew it meant everything was changing. I mean, I'm executive of a company in, in the middle of a whole bunch of things. Um, so that was the big moment for me was saying that out loud. Um, my CEO, was a, he's an incredible friend. And he said, he pulled out a glass of water and he goes, he put his hand in it and he said, you know, I'm going to pull my hand out. Is that what you're afraid of is when you leave, the water fills in around it. And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There will be no place for me when I come back. And he goes, let me show you something. And he put his hand back in and he goes, you see how the water made room when my hand went back in? Go take the time you need. When you come back, there will be space made for you. Mm -hmm. And it was actually such a great lesson for me. It, it took time when I got back to work and I got back to work and had decided to change you know, my trajectory. And he worked with me on that. But I'll tell you, the universal makes space for what you need, yeah. you know, to heal, to work through things I learned. And the world didn't end because I walked away from that. And yes. my daughter tried to commit suicide the next day. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful, so grateful that I had made the choice and I was home. I was home and I was able to do that mm -hmm. and just be there. And she's thriving today, by the way, for anybody who's nervous about that story. She's doing wonderful. Wow. First of all, a, a mother's intuition. You knew something was on the horizon, even though you may not have labeled it or been able to bring yourself to call what it was. You literally had the 12th hour reaction where you were able to do something right in time, where you had the capacity, which is what a lot of people miss is so important. You can be interested in doing a thing. You can feel like it's aligned with you. But if you don't have the capacity for something to make space for someone, something or some place that you would never see yourself without, I'm sure you would never see. That is not the order of things for a child to go before a parent. Not from a universal perspective. It's just out of order. And you made room yeah. for who you've always cared about. You've always loved her. You've always nourished her. But there was something in you spiritually that said, I need to make a little bit more room for whatever reason, and I need to do it urgently. And you did it. That is what I would call well, balancing boldly. <laughs> well, it, interestingly enough, she's she's a, she's my stepdaughter. So I haven't raised her since birth. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband's also an executive. And we just talked and it just felt like it was the right thing for mm -hmm. me to do this 
rather than him at the time. Um, I've learned a lot in the last few years about just listening to my intuition. And I've learned it's really important if you have that feeling to say it or to follow through with the phone call. Um, As I work with clients all over the United States in my practice, I was afraid that maybe I would, I was off base or what I was thinking wasn't the right thing. And I'm, I'm learning to lean into it and trust it because usually um, that's not something I've tapped into in my career. I've been very structured, very factual, very practical and pragmatic. Let's get it done. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning to be more intuitive now. Absolutely. It makes a big difference. I will say Tessa, your story resonates for so many reasons, not just because of my professional hat, but personally, the mother who was the closest to me wasn't my biological mother. That's she became my mother in love because she didn't know I was going, you know, whip up her son. But she was a powerful blessing in my life who absolutely was tapped into her intuition enough to see me going down a road. She met me when I was 13 and she saw me going down the road that wasn't necessarily in alignment with my purpose and called me on it from her intuition, not because she knew different things about me. She didn't have access. We didn't live in the same house. We lived in completely separate Mm -hmm. neighborhoods. And that woman to this day, across every single book and every single interview, when someone says, who was your greatest teacher? Viola Thigpen. Absolutely. Hands down. I love that that story because I, you know, I came into these kids life at a tough time Mm -hmm. for them and it's been a rough journey. And yet I think we're starting to see the payoff. I'm like 18 years into this now and I'm starting to, to say, oh my gosh, it was worth sticking through the hard things and the hard times. Um, because I I can see now that, you know, the relationship is strong and good. Yeah. There's nothing like bonding regardless of blood. My non-blood family, as I call them, although there are some blood family members who I love and I honor and I cherish. My non-blood family are really who helped to raise me to be the woman that I am today. Because if I would have followed suit with where my blood family, for the majority of them, were going, I would be mm-hmm. under somebody's jail cell in, in a whole different version of Nikita and not the person that sits before you today. So I thank God for bonding regardless of blood. And I'm sure your stepdaughter, that I'm sure you don't even call stepdaughter outside of you know the description of this, even possibly thinks of is what she, what will she do without you feeling that mm-hmm. in your soul, not just in your womb and knowing that this was a yeah. connection you couldn't ignore. Yeah. It was a very salient point in life, a, a turning point for certain. So powerful. So is, is the reason that you love playing in the Gen Z millennial space because you're surrounded by all these youthful little people who are not quite little anymore? Or or that's just who your heart connects to when you're like, I want to get you guys ready to be our next leaders? Or is it a little bit of both? Well, the company that I worked at for the five years before I'd left to do the job doctor was a millennial company. It was all millennial and Gen wow. Z. It was a door-to-door sales company, uh, Vivint Solar, now called Sunrun. Mm-hmm. And it was about 4,000 Gen Z and young millennials and about 10 adults in the room. That is the company. Wow. And it blew my mind. I came from a healthcare background in HR, which is very buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And I went to the craziest, most insane environment that you could ever work in. Not even kidding. The stories that I could tell you would absolutely curl your toes. And I just saw 
this generation struggling with communication yeah. and with, you know, how, how to, how to do the work thing. But I also learned so much from them and I left a different person than I went into that company. And I just saw companies are missing the boat on what's going on here. This is a really radical change in thought patterns and in the way they see the world. And it, so it just became my audience, not on purpose and not deliberately. It's just who I worked with and who I understood. Yeah. That, that connection again, you're, you're way more intuitive than I think you gave yourself credit for even before you claimed it. <laughs> like you, you seem like a very heady, logical, analytical person, but there's also mm-hmm. so much that was pulling you back into your body and you just didn't know it at the time, which is typically how life works, right? Like the storms are right. watering the seeds that you didn't even know you planted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the, these people, the salespeople, especially they were bros, we call them, you know, they wear the flat bill hats and they door knock and they're unruly and they're crazy and they get into trouble. And there was like attempted murder charges and theft and like breaking of the rules And at first it drove me absolutely nuts. I thought, what am I doing here? I am telling you now, they are some of my dearest friends to this day. Mm. Absolutely grew to love these people so very, very much. So it it really was just an interesting kind of fate that I worked in a millennial Gen Z company and then left and then the pandemic hits and every millennial and Gen Z is on TikTok (laughs) and we meet, you know, there we are. The the audience was ready for the teacher to show up. <laughs> the audience was ready. Right. When you a lot of a lot of what you teach is around conflict and disagreement, building the muscle so they can create trust and build trust. Was that a product of just your twenty five plus years experience, or was that mainly coming from? a mix of both personal and professional, that last kind of five-year bubble that propelled you in because the world was at conflict with this unsolicited disruptive gift that I call the pandemic because it did gift us an opportunity not taking away from all that was lost and all the burnout that was created in healthcare and amongst teachers and parents of small children and all of it. But for many people, it was a gift of getting to sit with themselves something that the busyness of activities was no longer allowing them to do, even though it was disruptive and unsolicited. And we wish all those other people didn't have to transition or have long COVID and all the other things that I don't want to take away from. But it was that. And was that your gift is receiving how powerful this concept of conflict and navigating it and disagreement was? Or was that just, you know, I've actually been dealing with it all the time and it just was the next best thing. It it was... (laughs) It was 20 years of HR mm. and I can tell you, you know, a manager would always come to me and say, I need to let this person go. And I would say, do they know it's coming? Yeah. And I know with a hundred percent certainty, they would say to me, uh, yeah, absolutely. They know it's coming. And a hundred percent of the time the people didn't know it's coming. And it's because I just saw we are so bad at telling the truth to each other just generally as people. You know, think, do I look fat in these pants? I mean, we're, we're never going to, we're going to be careful the way we say things, but at work, it's like on steroids because of the power dynamic in play. So I saw it at work and I thought people aren't, they're just talking past each other. They don't understand what's actually happening because we're all in these halfway conversations. So it really was born out of 20 years of HR experience 
But then when the pandemic hit, we all got angry too on top of it. And so it, it, it just exacerbated an already difficult problem and people will leave their job before they'll speak up or say something's wrong. They say, my company sucks or it's toxic or, you know, they don't appreciate me or I shouldn't have to write the script for my company. Therefore, I'm going to leave. And I said, oh, this is a problem. We have to learn to talk and be better partners because work doesn't have to be this miserable and you have more control than you think. So that's where communication became such a a point that I hit on all the time. And it's woven throughout my book because we're just so bad at it. And it has such devastating consequences at work if we don't know how to do it. So true. Your mic drop moment. You are, you are definitely (laughs) speaking truth. And if you can really get better, not just at the communication, but specifically navigating those conflict conversations and not being afraid to with kindness, which is compassion and action, but be able to be honest and not stuck in your ego, which I think is what most people are afraid of. I'm afraid that my ego is just going to tell you like it is and not care about your feelings. And that's not effective communication if you're coming from your ego that way. So you're helping people feel their growth. growth. Yeah. Yeah. People make the mistake of going too far, swinging too far one direction or the other. I mean, we we live in a really polarizing world anyway. So we tend to go, you know, far one way or far the other. And we either go too strong and just go way too hard at it, at the conversation, have the right conversation the wrong way, or we go silent and say nothing. And can you imagine in a relationship if you just said, well, if I have to write the script for you and tell you that I'm upset, I'm leaving. You can't figure it out. And yet that's what we Mm -hmm. do at work. We say, company doesn't treat me right. I'm out of here. And they're like, what just happened? I thought we were fine. So it it really is. I, I just want people to have a a more frictionless experience in the workplace. Yeah. And I think it's possible. That latter part that you described, the example in relationships. Oh, could I talk about that for hours as a balance yeah. of relationship advisor for couples, right? But there's mm-hmm. the other side of it, um, which we won't dive super deep into because I know you you hit on it all over your platforms is the quiet quitting and what that yes. looks like and why that's happening. The great resignation, right? Like all of that is tied to exactly what you're saying. People are not being recognized in the way that they need to and the communication, which is why the recognition isn't as palpable as it should be, is the main number one thing that needs to be enhanced to say it the least way possible. Yeah. I mean, burnout at its root is simply feeling a lack of control. Yes. And so I I really try and teach people how do you take some of the control back that you don't think you have? Because you have more than you think. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I do. I try and teach people to to uh, take step out into some things that I've seen and I've done and I've watched, you know, thousands and thousands of people and their patterns. Let me help you not make the mistake. Let me help you use the script. Talk about it this way. You'll be surprised what you can get. Yeah. Power of working with a mentor and coach. It literally is the only mm-hmm. shortcut that you're going to get. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> right. Learning from someone else. Mm-hmm. So when you're not wearing the hat of job doctor and career go-to coach, how are you giving yourself permission to pause? Uh, well, I'll get personal with you. The year ago, I've had a son who has been in and out of addiction recovery treatment. I, I was so thrilled a few, about two and a half years ago, he said, I'm, I'm ready to get help. I'm going to get help. And I, it was the happiest day of my life. And 
it's also brought on some of the saddest days of my life because his up and down journey has been oh so hard to watch. And I spent last summer sitting in a lawn chair, looking up at little baby owls growing up in my tree because it's all I could do. It's all I could handle. I was so depleted and so sad. He had, we had two um, suicide attempts and he is just struggling to put his life where he wants it to be. So for me, I have had to, and that was in the middle of writing my book. Mm-hmm. I, I just had to, my brain said, I'm not going to work for you right now. Like there's some healing that needs to take place. And I literally would sit on a lawn chair. My husband's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I cry a lot, but it's healing. I know that it's just healing. So don't freak out over my crying. I'm just working some stuff out. And uh, so for me, it, it really is nature being outside. Sometimes I, you know, just go out to fly fish. Sometimes I just go on a walk. Something about being outside is really healing for me. And the more time I'm outside, the better I feel. So that's been a lot of what I've done. I watched baby owls grow up. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I love owls. So thank you for that. Because <laughs> you well, just brought me into that moment. <laughs> But also nature's therapy is nature and you were able to get everything that you needed and more by giving yourself what I call that intentionally selfish time to literally Mm -hmm. create your joy your way. And you needed to cut all the noise out, whether it was 20 minutes at a time, an hour, whatever the owl's wisdom could pour into you and the trees and the breeze. It was exactly what the doctor ordered. (laughs) The job doctor ordered it. Yes. You know, I, I had, I was a single mom for 10 plus years and I went through some really difficult times, um, in my, in my marriage and then after, and I, I think I never dealt with that stuff. And it was just like, Oh, here we are, you know, 15 years later, here we are, work it out, sister. Mm-hmm. You don't work it out. It's going to just live in you and eat you up. So, you know, hard time, but healing time. Don't don't get me started, Tessa. You're talking about women's Olympic platinum medal of compartmentalizing until you have nowhere else to stuff it. I hate hate that I'm so good Mm -hmm. at it. I hate it. No. Turn off those emotions if I need to, just to kind of get it through. You know, that's what I did when I was a single mom. Just like, I can't think about this, how hard this is and what's going on. I'm just going to move forward. Mm -hmm. Same with when my uh, husband passed away. I'm just like, I'm just gonna, you know, Mm -hmm. just, we're just doing this. And yeah, compartmentalizing. I I really am trying to get in touch with my softer side nowadays um, and connect my brain and my heart a little better. Yeah, I love it. And I especially love that during our conversation, I could see it in your eyes that you were able to see some of those connections that you never really gave yourself grace to see in the process. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I am an incredible connector. <laughs> right? And being able to see it because they're used to achieving, moving on, achieving, moving on, firefighting, moving on, next fire, moving on. You represent so many women. right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think that's what we do. And unfortunately it comes at a cost and, and, uh, my goal is to see if I can get as much healing done as possible before I, you know, leave this earth so that I don't have to do any work on the other side. I know that's right. I just, 
Let me rest mm-hmm. when it's time to rest. <laughs> yeah. I know that's right. Let me, let me, let me work it out now. Yeah. Oh, Tessa, you've been such a gift. Your story, your vulnerability, your openness to let us peek behind the curtain that we couldn't Google. Because when you Google, there's plenty. (laughs) But going behind (laughs) the curtain to really get to know who you are and why you decided to create your work life and love balance in the way that you did. And as you're continuing to create it, to make sure that you can truly live your life fully. I appreciate you. And I want you to share with everyone how can they connect with you next and get your new book? Uh, well, they can always find me and Job Dr. Tessa on all the social platforms. And in fact, on Instagram, they can send me a personal um, message and I'll return a voice memo to people there because it's so fast and easy to do. And they can find my podcast, The Job Doctor is In, which is really fascinating because it's talking with real people about real problems. They can find that on Apple and Spotify. My book is a labor of love. It's the book I wish I would have had um, when I was a young professional. And it's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. And they can find that anywhere books are sold. Um, I think I think they'll actually really like the book. I, I'm excited it's out. And I know that it's, it's a great help to a lot of people. Oh, that is so awesome. Thank you so much, Tessa, for carving out extra time for us today and really of leaving course. a space to pour out into other humans that wouldn't know what else to do without those nuggets of value that only you could bring to them today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Balance Boldly listeners, as always, I am so grateful that you stayed with us to the end. If you found yourself on your Peloton, your treadmill, or out doing an M&M, those movement meetings while you were listening and like, oh, I need to jot that down. Don't worry. Everything is at the bottom of the show notes. You can go back and click to get Tessa's book, to go to her website and get access to whatever you need, not only for yourself, but you know, I always ask two favors at the end of every single show. Think of at least one other person outside of yourself that you could gift this episode to and just push share. No explanation. A little heard this interview. It was great. Thought of you and share it. You don't need to get into the details and put your perspective on it because that might shape whether or not someone feels ready to open it. So share this episode with one other person in your ecosystem. And second, I want you to enjoy the balance of your day. But remember, do it boldly. 